What's up, guys? Welcome to Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin Gallagher, and on this week's podcast, I am talking about the one thing that seems to be on everybody's mind, and that is COVID-19. This week, I did a Facebook Live on this topic, and uh, I've also been invited onto a couple of um, Zoom meetings for property networks and things like that. And it's the question on everybody's mind. So I figured episode three of the show should really be dedicated to this. I had actually planned on talking about a little bit of my background and uh, sort of some backstory, some additional backstory that you didn't get from the keynote in uh, episode two. But uh, maybe you can let me know whether you'd like that or not. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of reluctant to post stuff about my history because I think I've talked about it enough in the last couple of weeks. Anyway, on today's show, I'm going to go through the COVID-19 economic predictions, uh, what I see happening to the economy. And then I'm also going to get into um, dealing with the impact and... Um, the impact by that, I mean, if you've got one of the three P's, if you've got a, por- a project, a portfolio or a pipeline. And uh, lastly, I'd like to go into some of the opportunities that I see emerging out of this chaos and how best to take advantage of them. So getting into the economic predictions, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to be the most positive person. I'm normally a pretty optimistic guy. But as far as I can see, there is absolutely no stopping this recession, would you call it, a black swan event. There's a huge number of words to describe this domino effect that we're going through. And I think it's going to be pretty severe. Now, it may not be as long lasting as the previous recession. The 2008 global financial crash was brought about by all of the massive overborrowing and things like that. So that had to be unwound. This is a completely different reason for the recession that's going to uh, ensue but so it could end quicker however i do think that uh, the domino effect is going to really hit every single industry eventually and i think property will be hit although i think it'll be further down the line and just thinking about the number of job losses uh, just just let's just take a look at one single industry if you think about the airline industry i mean all of the jobs that those airlines you know the people they employ not just as cabin crew and pilots but then you've got the people that work in the airport you've got all of the different teams that work on the plane you know you've got engineers and you've got maintenance people and you've got the people that come in to clean the plane and you've got to serve food and you've got to prepare food so the suppliers providing all of that there's software products for organizing flights and i mean it's just across the board there is so much involved there's also sales personnel and there's people running the kind of the show behind the scenes so it's an absolutely massive thing and the fact that the airline industry is effectively being shut down and then on top of that you've got a fly with social distancing now that's going to be very hard to um to work because either you have flights packed or you're going to have to increase the price per person on a flight and uh, that's going to make them unattractive and so fewer people are going to fly in them so it's going to be a real battle uh, a war of attrition i would say on the airline industry and i'm hearing things like richard branson is trying to get a bailout for his um for his virgin Atlantic. And um, when you hear things like that, you start to realize just how serious this is. Obviously, if somebody's lost their job, they can't afford their rent. If they can't afford their rent, 
you can't, as a landlord, you can't afford your mortgage. So there's that little knock-on effect, but then that, that also drills into confidence. So you're going to end up with people out there who are saving up money for their deposit, for example, to buy a house. And who knows now whether those guys are going to go and do that. They're not sure about the economy. They're not sure about the, the future. Is the, is, the, is the job secure? You know, is there a chance that there'll be a pay cut? All of these things are starting to kind of work their way into people's minds. And that will make them think twice about releasing a deposit to buy a house. Perhaps people who have lost their jobs are now using the deposit to actually keep the bills paid and things. I mean, it's great that some of the governments have stepped in and are agreeing to, to make payments to people who've lost their jobs. But I know that they're not full value payments. I mean, I think it's based on the average salary. So I think I think in Ireland, it was based on 80% of the average, which is something like 30,000 euro a year. Obviously, everyone has different circumstances, but I know I personally couldn't survive on 30,000 a year. Just my my bills and my lifestyle is just is, is far greater. So it wouldn't work for me. And therefore, I would need another source of income to kind of just to pay the bills, basically. So getting into then the businesses that are reopening when they do reopen they're going to face huge challenges because all of the landlords thinking about their retail shops and restaurants and cafes and all of those places those uh, you know unless some sort of a deal is agreed with your landlord you're going to have those guys they're not being forgiven their rent they're essentially being told that their rent is is still due but you can pay it later and uh, if, if you're a person who has, you know, in order to pay your bills, needs to be open and trading, needs to be bringing in income to pay these bills, then being closed for two months is not going to allow you to play catch up on those deferred payments. But then again, the landlord is in just as difficult position. If he has bank borrowings, then the bank are not going to be saying, oh, don't worry, you can pay us anytime you want. Those guys expect to be paid as well. And if you haven't been getting paid rent, then where are you going to get the money from? So it's this nasty domino effect that I think can potentially sort of unravel everybody's plans. And then lastly, on, on this whole kind of topic, you've got to get into who is actually going to fund all of this. Um, you know, the government has stepped in and it's helping people out, but who's ultimately going to pay that? Uh, we as shareholders of the of the exchequer, so to speak, as taxpayers, 30, 40, 50 billion, 500 billion trillions in America. I mean, these amounts have to be paid back over time. And so... Are we essentially pushing all of these bills into, you know, into the never Neverland, into the future there and um, thinking that they'll never come due at some point in the future? I think taxes are probably going to increase and there's going to be various uh, tax policy changes in the next while just to kind of try to cover all of these costs in some shape or form. So the uncertainty of the future as well is another, is the final kind of nail in the coffin. Um, Everybody is, see, you know, I see in America now, everyone's getting back to work and there's this kind of, the, the stock market is starting to kind of come back and I don't believe any of that for a second. I, I'd be worried now that a second wave of coronavirus could come along and create the, the you know, conditions where a second lockdown could potentially be required. In America now, with all of these lunatics going around with face masks and guns and protests in the state capital of Michigan that they want to get you know, back out uh, their, their normal freedoms and they don't want to, wear, want to wear face masks. And you see that kind of thing and you say, my God, you know, what is going to happen? It's, it's like these people think that 
there is some sort of um, conspiracy to keep them locked down for longer than they really need to be. All of this but in my view, a huge amount of uncertainty on the future. And until a vaccine is found or a cure for coronavirus, it's going to be one of those things that just it's out there. There's a huge amount of uncertainty floating around with it. And these kind of interruptions and disruptions that we have had to get used to, that is going to have to be something that we need to live with for the next period of time, however long that may be. In the case of um, the 1918 Spanish flu, I think it went on for about 18 months and the second wave was far more damaging than the first wave and that's something to bear in mind. Right, so getting into the next part and that is how to deal with the impact. And uh, what I've looked at really is there's there's two different scenarios. You're either a very active investor, landlord, and you've got multiple things underway or you are just sort of sitting back you've either said you're either sitting on cash or you're waiting to get into this business um, for the first time so I'm splitting this into two talks and the first one is going to be assuming that you're one of these guys that has multiple projects and um, so the first thing you need to do you're a guy that uh, or a girl that has built up your nice portfolio things have been going great you've um, you've been looking at your rents rising over the last while and suddenly this has come out of nowhere. So the, the sudden shock is something that is going to catch all of us by surprise. It's hard to change your, your viewpoint so suddenly. And um, back in January, I was making plans for 2020 that did not include the words lockdown or pandemic. So I'm very much of the view that this is a curveball, I suppose would be the best description. And it's something that is going to catch all of us and our emotions very much out of whack. And one of the biggest mistakes that you can make in this business is to get emotional because you need a level head to keep this business going. And as soon as you start to lose your emotions, and that can go both ways, you need to be emotionless and you need to be very, very level headed. If you are going to go and start saying, no, there is not going to be a recession, everything's going to be fine. You're getting emotionally bought into a future that you hope for. If you are, on the other hand, you know, panicking and starting to kind of worry about everything, that's also not going to serve you very well. First of all, you need to get a hold of your emotions. And the second thing you really need to do is perform triage on your business. And I talk about the three P's, the, your projects, your portfolio or your pipeline. business and so or work in progress and if that's the case then that means that you're unable to sell or get value for it until it's complete so you need to lock that down and get that under control and how you do this it will depend obviously on the structure of your project but you've got overhead you've got expenses you got to get into survival mode depending on your circumstances obviously you need to start thinking about cutting back a lot of that unnecessary expenditure and uh just think about the completion of your projects. Do you have enough cash? Have you cash flowed this thing out? And do you require uh, you know, the bank's participation in order to do so? If you do, then you really need to get sit down and start planning out what your financial needs are. And also you need to address what you're going to do about this because the big concern I would have is that the banks start to tighten their belt and they start relooking at values of projects and all sorts of stuff. And you could be in a situation where you've agreed that you're going to draw down X million over a certain period of time. 
and then find that you actually have been cut and your credit limit has been reduced or something, or the bank now wants to revalue the project, uh, revalue your sales at the end of the project. All of this is something you need to get ahead of. The worst thing you can do is walk into that bank if there is a meeting called, is that you walk into the bank unprepared for the discussion. And the discussion will most definitely be around. It's not one where you're going to reassure them that everything is perfectly fine. You need to be able to show that you've looked at this hard-nosed, with looking at the numbers, again, without any emotion, and just simply look at it. How has the project performed? Um, are prices dropping in the area? You need to go out and start looking at those kind of things because nobody likes to accept it. But if you don't accept that there is going to be reduction of prices during a recession, then you're kind of deluding yourself and you're setting yourself up for a fail. Because, you know, you might find that your houses that you're building are for sale at a certain price that you figure is a very reasonable price. But all you need is another guy down the road to be under a little bit more pressure and he decides to drop his prices before you drop yours. Next minute you've got competition. Now you look expensive comparatively. And that could either delay the time it takes for you to sell the houses or it could just delay, uh, it could also just force your hand and you end up having to drop your prices. So stress test your portfolio, your projects, have a look at how it performs. Are your banking covenants all looking good or have you started to stretch out? Anyone who was heavily leveraged is going to be in a difficult position now because as values fall, you thought you had plenty of headroom with equity in your portfolio, not so any longer. And that was something that I felt um, very, very strongly uh, during 2008. I had a very strong portfolio. I had quite a bit of borrowing, but I thought I had about 30% more portfolio equity than there was debt. And so I felt I was in good shape. Then the market collapsed by 60 to 80%. And I ended up millions in, um, in, in the red. And I had three banks coming after me, looking for me to make sales and, and, and dispose of assets at the bottom of the market. So it was very, very difficult. And when I look back and think about it, there was a couple of mistakes that I made. I didn't accept price. the price had dropped. I wanted to believe that I was worth X and not Y. And therefore, I was deluding myself. And that is, again, emotion getting in the way. In fact, what, it, what you could also call it is, is ego. And um, it's part of my three E's that I talk about that will always catch you out. Your ego, your emotions and the economy. And I've already talked about the economy. That's, that has caught us all out. And the next thing that will catch you out is either your emotions or your ego. And by ego, what I mean is when somebody comes along, if you need to sell some assets, if somebody comes along and offers you a price that is significantly reduced to where you believed the, port, the property sat only three months ago, don't get your ego in the way. A lot of people take insult at this kind of what they think is cheeky uh, lowball offer. But the reality is, is that the prices have fallen and you just need to be very careful that you're not ignoring something because of your ego. And everyone loves to have their ego stroked and, and, and think that they're a fantastic, smart person who made this amazing decision to buy this property and it shot up in value and now you're, you're a millionaire. 
that changes very quickly when the market shifts and you can find that you're holding on to this fantasy price that you believe your property is worth that gives you that ego stroke and just be careful that that is not something that you're carrying there but it you know at the back of your mind um it, you know of course it's helpful to have you know some um, self-confidence and all those things but just don't let the ego creep into the decision making where you turn your nose up at a price that whilst it might seem insulting it is actually possibly a fair value in the market now looking at what else we've got portfolio you should review your assets for weakness um, have a look at uh, tenants on your on your schedule and are they all up to date you need to be checking that now very carefully on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis because you're going to find that guys are in difficulty and you need to know the moment somebody is in difficulty you need to know about that so you can try to deal with it you also need to know are the assets that you've got have you got a core asset class in your portfolio or are you just a bit of a hit and miss with lots of different investments i think it wouldn't be a bad idea for you to sit back and have a think about what your portfolio could look like in the future if you were to shed some of the assets that you've acquired and by that i mean just perform kind of an overall review and think to yourself hmm, is this asset something that i can see myself being involved in in the next couple of years or is this something that i'm really better off just trading now get rid of it maybe drop some of your some of the levels of your debt or whatever you need to do to just get things under control your bank could well request that you start selling assets so you need to think in advance which asset it is that you're prepared to sacrifice think of it as a pawn on the chessboard if you don't come up with it your bank will tell you which one you're to sell and so it's far better if you go in with a realistic view of what your portfolio composition is and which assets are best for the disposal and even go so far as to possibly have gone out and checked the price and show that the drop in prices illustrate that you're looking at this with wide eyes and that you're not taking this with your head buried in the sand so many people just live in denial in these situations and this is super important because the banks will know straight away as soon as you leave the room they start talking amongst themselves and they say okay this guy is delusional he thinks that he's still doing great uh, whereas if they are talking to somebody who show who demonstrates realism and that is very much seen to be proactive has gone out got valuations and all that they're going to see you as someone they can work with somebody who's not living in the clouds and that's going to stand to you and it'll probably allow you to ha- hold on to the assets that you particularly want rather than the bank forcing your hand you're going to have people coming to you looking to delay rent and things of that nature now this is something that depending on the composition of your portfolio in the case of our portfolio in dublin we have a an office park that we manage and we have big multinationals that are uh, meeting with us on a regular basis and normally you would think multinationals are like a bank bond or a government bond but um, we've actually had two of them approaching us asking us But with multinationals, it's slightly different because there's lots of shareholders and there's all of this pressure in the stock market a lot of the time. 
and we've done these quick reviews of our tenants' financial situation. And one of the good things about working with tenants who are multinationals and, and public companies is that they are required to publish their financial statements and update the market of various things. And of course, when they're talking to their investors, they want everything to look rosy. But when they're talking to their landlords, they want everything to sound terrible. So we were approached by one particular tenant who said that everything was a bit of a disaster. They needed to cut costs and they were asking if we would consider reductions of this nature. And we got into it and we looked under the hood and we found that there were there was a stock market update published a week earlier. And uh, we went into it and started looking and we discovered that their quarterly income was something like 100 million. Uh, this was actually their profit was about 100 million. And they were expecting a drop of about 25 million. And so it was you know, a significant drop, but they're gone from 100 million to 75 million. And they're expecting us to take that pain. And we just sort of said, look, guys, you're not looking at a loss situation. You're not looking at mass redundancies or anything of that nature. All you're looking at really, let's let's be honest, is the CEO not getting the same size bonus at Christmas time that he was looking to looking forward to. You just have to get in under the hood. You have to make sure that if somebody is asking for this, that they genuinely deserve it and that it is not just some sort of a, there's an old saying, never waste a crisis. What people often do is there's everyone is screaming uh, about the economy and next minute you'll hear that such and such a person has implemented 25% pay cut across the board. But you'll, if you look underneath the hood a little bit, you might actually find that their revenues didn't drop at all and that this was just cover for uh, a smart move on the uh, behalf of the CEO or the shareholders. So just keep this in mind. You don't just automatically accept a pay cut. Um, now, obviously, somebody's lost their job. That's something that we would definitely work with the person and we're not going to like force them out. But you do have to make sure that you have genuine reasons for the pay for the price cut or the rental reduction. So let's get into pipeline. With pipeline, I mean, you know, the projects that you haven't done yet, but that you're kind of lining up to get into. And that can, you can sometimes, you can be in contract on those, but a lot of the time there are things that you're kind of negotiating. If you are in the process, if you have actually not yet signed an agreement, then you're in a good position to chip away at the price. Now, I don't say that in a kind of flippant way where, you know, some poor innocent guy is going to end up losing a lot of money. I just mean that the market will shift and the world ha will be shifting and a lot of people just won't accept it. And in the same way I was saying it about your own projects, somebody who's selling a site or a property is not going to like that you are talking about a price chip when you've been talking to him in good faith for the last six months about a certain price that was higher. Now, the reason though you have to yeah, this is where emotions comes into it again. And you got to understand that the guy that you're dealing with is going to be emotional about this and will probably have his ego tied up in it as well. They think that they're going to get X and instead you're talking about maybe 20 to 30% of a reduction on that price. Now, a lot of the time, this will actually result in people walking away, just slamming the door on your offer. And that might be something that you just have to walk away from. This is again, don't fall in love with a project. Don't get emotional. You just have to think about this in the cold light of day. 
that if this guy is living in denial, then there's not a lot you can do. The fact that you are not living in denial doesn't mean that you're going to have to deal with people who are still living in denial. And that is going to be something that is going to throw a spanner in the work of a lot of pipeline deals. We've looked at some projects now recently and already we're looking at a 30% drop. And it's not pleasant. It's not an enjoyable conversation to have with someone who you've been working with in good faith. But the reality is the bank's expected. Your investors, if you if you need investors for this, they'll certainly be expecting it. You know, one of my six ors that I talk about, my philosophy of this whole game is, is reputation. And reputation is important. But in reputation and integrity are not tied into the market collapsing. And you standing over your original price that you offered, uh, whilst it might seem like the right thing to do from an integrity point of view, it is a foolish thing to do because you have just agreed to lose money and you're possibly going to lose the credibility of your bank. You're not going to be of any use to your um, to the person who's selling to you if your bank won't support you or if your investors pull out of the deal. So you just have to have a respectful meeting with the guy, sit down and just explain, look, this is not personal, but we will not get the support of our bank's um, prices will have to be reduced and maybe you can find an accommodation with the guy where he doesn't get quite the same amount of price chip that that the market is suggesting or perhaps you could say to him look if things bounce back you can have a percentage of the uplift or whatever so that the guy doesn't completely lose face but you do have to be hard-nosed and realistic and the fact is you don't want to be want to be the one who's been told to make up the difference that um, that the market has fallen by and that you've refused to accept so that's it guys i hope you found this uh, episode useful it's not a very fun topic to talk about all of these kind of cuts and things but they are necessary and it's important that you get your head around it pretty early next week's episode is going to be a lot more enjoyable insofar as we're talking about the opportunities and i'm going to go into some of the sectors of the real estate market that i think are actually going to be doing quite well and I'm also going to talk about how to approach these uh, purchasing opportunities and the timing of it as well. I don't think it's time to rush in and I'm going to go into some of those details. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, guys, I would be grateful if you might share it around. And if you could uh, consider leaving me a rating over on, um, well, whatever platform you listen to, give us a thumbs up or some sort of a rating. Be helpful for spreading the word. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to you next week. Until then. Talk soon. Thanks. Mm-hmm.